Do you live in the middle of nowhere and feel separated from the church? Yeah, that's me. Or do you think the church is out of touch? Absolutely. Then this podcast is for you. Coming to you from the Diocese of Sioux City. What? Where the hell is Sioux City? Welcome to Outcast Catholic with your hosts, Father Shane Demon and Father Travis Crotty. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode at Outcast Catholic. I'm Father Travis Crotty. And I'm Father Shane Demon. We're excited to be here, hanging out, recording podcasts. Um, I got a story for you. What do you got this time? Well, I drove to the good city of Des Moines the other day, right. and I was hanging out with two of my friends. And here's the thing. People have been asking for shout-outs on this podcast because they listen to things like Catholic Stuff You Should Know, and they think that that's just part of priest making a podcast. Listen, people, if you want the 20-minute time, we can't spend like 10 minutes at the end can shout-outs. You can eat it, too. You, you really can You either can. get a short, treadmill-length yeah. yeah. workout podcast, or you get 10 minutes of shout-outs. No offense to our boys in Denver. Yeah, no offense. But that's just like it's give and take of the podcast world. So people have been a little offended that I haven't given them shout-outs, but I'll give two shout-outs now because this pod, this topic that we're going to end up talking about comes from these two guys I was hanging out with. So mm-hmm. Walter Pugh and Taylor Fernholz, two former seminarians for the diocese. They're living in Des Moines. We're hanging out because Taylor just moved into this house, and he they built in their basement. It's a pretty small little house, but they built this little room to be like an indoor cigar lounge. Ooh. Right, right. I know you're not about cigars, but... Um, <laughs> I am sometimes, and so he's got a little like like electronic filter thing, but this room is really beautiful, and it's like it's very very masculine room. Nice leather chairs. There's a chessboard. They built like a. Um, a this book, sounds like Taylor. A bo- oh, wait, very much so. Yeah. <laughs> built a bookshelf on the side with like a little like a little built-in bar, backlit bottles and stuff. Really Ooh. fancy. They live like three or four blocks from a parish, St. Pius X. So they named it St. Pius X. So okay, we got in Urbandale in Urbandale. Yeah, so right. we got a little St. Pius X. I think they actually have a relic that some somebody's grandpa gave him. So we got a little St. Pius tenth relic. Um, got the got the Holy Father on the wall and and stuff like that. It's just really it's just really really cool room. I think like a gun that he built, musket is mounted on the wall too. Great. Okay. So we're sitting there chatting, and we we got into the conversation about how the difference between that room that we were hanging out in and the kind of traditional man cave. Mm. You know. You, have you been in any oh yeah any man caves? Oh yes. What are what are some of the distinguishing remarks of? The well, co- sometimes there are Catholics who say, "Oh, Father, you got to check out my man cave." Right. You know, you got to come over. And there's priests out there. If they're listening, they will know that sometimes, <laughs> sometimes we can get a little used because, um, Father Father needs to come over to the man cave again. He he called me. And, uh, you know, he's had a stressful day. He needs to come over, honey, oh, honey, yeah. he needs to come over to the man cave time. He just needs, he needs some downtime with the boys. Yep. And once you start to realize after a few months, like he is claiming I need man cave time to, when he needs the man cave he time needs oh. to get away. So father, father really needs me tonight, honey. I got to go. <laughs> <laughs> but what are, what are some, uh, what are some quintessential so, elements you know, of the man cave? Well, typically there would be more than one monitor, you know, for multiple sporting events going of course, on. Right. There's going to be some sporting memorabilia. There might be a uh, memorabilia, a, a beer light or two. Yeah. <laughs> or like a Jameson's light or right, something. Right, right, right. Actually more, more alcohol lights, the better. Probably. In the man cave, I think. Yeah, probably. Um, I know my brother-in-law, he's got some of his WWF memorabilia that he's just thrilled with, wow. which 
I'm not into. It's so right. fake. <laughs> for the for the for the sake of the conversation, um, are you familiar with the the WWF wrestler Shawn Michaels? Do you ever remember no. him? For those out Sorry. there who do know who Shawn Michaels is, I'm actually related to him. Really, uh, our great, our his grandmother, my great grandmother, were sisters. Is that right? Yes, I nep. So I saw him wrestle on TV, and he came to Tiny Verina, Iowa, for the funeral. Okay. And I remember being a little kid, seeing this enormously jacked man <laughs> with a ponytail right. walking around. And later I found out that was a professional wrestler. So wow. very exciting. That is exciting. Sometimes in man caves. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, there's there's a common theme to the memorabilia that might nice. make up the decorum of a... Uh... <laughs> Perhaps a, an extremely comfortable lazy boy. Yes. There's yes. going to be comfortable couches, places to put your feet up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly right. The conversation that was brought up by one Mr. Walter Pugh was that there's something fundamentally different between a man cave and a, a study mm. or something of a of a lounge facilitated for conversation rather than for monitor viewing. And no offense against men who have man caves or women whose husbands have man caves or the weird popular thing now called a she shed. That is I should not popular. say weird. It's just different. Um, than I've experienced, but these things, man caves, she sheds. The idea, right, is very simple. They're a place to escape, mm-hmm. right? And everybody knows it. I got to escape, have my my place, right? It gets clear with man caves when a woman with a feminine genius decorates most of the house. The man gets this little, this little nook that is his special place where he can decorate with all of his beer lights. So sure. they're not in the living room sure. or in the kitchen <laughs> or something like that. Or you don't want your deer antlers from right. your last hunting trip right above the refrigerator. Exactly. Yeah. That <laughs> might not be the best spot for them. Um, but we were just having this conversation about this difference between the desire to escape from the world to sports, escape to video games, escape to so much that I think men are particularly tempted to that kind of escapism. Mm-hmm. The difference between that and the experience of retreat mm-hmm. or the word that Walter was using was a uh, pustinia, which is AKA Thomas Merton. That's right. Well, or Byzantine nuns. Sure. So pustinia just means desert in Russian. Mm-hmm. I think so. I think that's what it means. I'm quite, quite sure, but it's, it's, it's grown popularity in religious communities where they'll call a retreat day, a pustinia or they'll call a retreat house or a little hermitage kind of cell area, a little cabin, they'll call that a pustinia, right? Because mm-hmm. it's just a place to have a desert time of encounter with God. Father Brian Hughes likes that phrase too. Does he use pustinia quite a oh, bit? Yeah, but oh. he has a quite extensive vocabulary. He so. <laughs> does, he does. Yeah, my friends, okay, here's a shout out. We got a lot of them this episode. My friend, Sister Natalia of Christ the Bridegroom Monastery, who they actually have a podcast called What God Is Not, if you want to hear a... Byzantine priest and nun chat about stuff. Sister Natalia at their monastery, they have these little retreat kind of rooms that they call Pustinias. And Mm -hmm. it's her job to clean them and prepare them for guests. And they have so many people who come on Pustinia and come to take retreat. Because I think people, modern man, is realizing that we need retreat from the world. But that can come, it's intuitive, that desire that we need retreat. But that comes sometimes in the desire to escape to something like a she shed or uh, um, a man cave mm-hmm. where it's really all about me and it's just about doing the things that make me feel good and mm-hmm. kick my feet up and watching a game 
or whatever happens in a she shed. I've never been to one, so I don't know. That's okay, Father. <laughs> uh, would have been a formation issue. That's perhaps. right. But we found we found it interesting in our conversation um, in this lounge of sorts in Taylor's house because it was something in the middle, right? Like there was no TV, there's no monitors, but there's chairs and there's just like things to facilitate conversation. It's a nice, comfortable room. <laughs> yeah. Whiskey and cigars. Right. Um, but it, it was Bit great. A den. A den maybe. Yeah. Right. Yeah. A lounge, a den. Uh-huh. Right. But that led to this conversation of um, maybe the move from a man cave to something more of a study or mm-hmm. a place of retreat. Um, but then really just in our lives, this realization that we kind of all experience isolation, uh, obviously during physical isolation from other people with COVID, but just feeling outcast from others or feeling disconnected from people. And there's the desire to escape, mm-hmm. to come out of yourself. But there's a big difference between escaping to things that are selfish or retreating to a relationship with God. Mm-hmm. Or just retreating towards that which is going to be actually rejuvenating yeah yeah. you know to not become an outcast to that which is going to be really life-giving to nurture your soul refresh your body so that when you when you step out of little retreat moments whatever they might be Mm -hmm. if it's a if it's a walk in nature if you're in your den you're in your she shed whatever it is (laughs) uh what's going to be really rejuvenating yes uh, and actually draw you into the present reality more deeply to engage in love uh, to engage in your your duties or your mission, whatever that is, mm-hmm. as opposed to, okay, I got to go back into reality now, and it's going to suck, but then I can get escape from reality, you know, in six days from now or, yes. or whatever. Yeah, we'll you know, for the weekend kind of thing. Yeah, that's that's not actually uh, a real integrated lifestyle, right? You know, yeah, you'll know that um, from your studies of Saint Thomas Aquinas, he actually compares kind of an interesting um, virtue and vice that most people find a little confusing. Mm-hmm. He talks about curiosity. Oh, yes, Cur- he does. Curiosity sometimes sounds like a good thing. But maybe we think of like Curious George, mm-hmm. uh, and we see it's, well, it's not that good, and curiosity killed the cat. But we usually think of, well, being curious is good because you're interested in a lot of things, and you're excited to learn new things. And if people have a lot of irons in the fire, they're, they're a really well-rounded person. The Renaissance man. The Renaissance man, mm-hmm. right? Well, St. Thomas kind of compares that to studiousness. And his comparison is curiosity is, is actually like very restless and just looking for a lot of different things and having a lot of different irons in the fire and trying to figure out lots of different things and kind of restless as the litany of trust says, restless self-seeking mm-hmm. in the present moment. I really mm-hmm. love that one. Um, the that sort of opposite virtue of that is studiousness, which is, which is like a focused intentionality on something. Right. That can be studying like, the intellectual life and academics, but that can also be just intentionally focusing on something that is rejuvenating, mm-hmm. whether that's something like intentionally focusing on music or film or art, even conversation mm-hmm. that you know is intentionally rejuvenating instead of that kind of curiosity. I think we experience when we all just find ourselves scrolling through whatever our favorite app is to scroll through. Mm-hmm. And it's like, what's the next thing that can just give me the next quick little hit, the next little buzz in the next moment. Um, that seems to be more like curiosity rather than studiousness. Mm-hmm. Is that a word, studiousness? Oh, yes. Good. Very good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Embrace it. Very good. <laughs> Thoughts on that? Well, yeah. It happens all the time. You can scroll through social media sites. You can scroll through endless YouTube videos. You can news, scroll like news, the news, news and stuff. sites. Yeah. You know, how many news sites do you really want to check out to see 
what is that weird, obscure, you know, uh, headline coming out of Canada today or whatever, you know, right. it doesn't matter. Um, uh, the, the constant need to just keep checking, to keep searching, right. um, that, that just kind of breeds a curiosity that doesn't actually let you put all the pieces together. I've, I've noticed when um, some of the greatest theological minds that I've ever met, they don't just read one book by Augustine, one book by Aquinas, one book by Ratzinger, or whatever. They, they will kind of take a, a theologian or a philosopher and they'll go really deep. Yeah. And yeah. they'll study all the works of this person. Mm-hmm. And then from that, you get a whole framework by which you can pivot and address a whole variety of topics because you've engaged a, a, whole, uh, a whole pattern of thought here. Right. And you've got your arms around it. And you just didn't dabble in lots of different things. Yes. You know, um, we, we would never... I mean, if we were to look at like a, a master wood carver or a wood craftsman, right. you know, this person would be able to build furniture and build shelves and mm-hmm. work with different types of wood and understand different climate control issues with different types of wood. But we would never say, well, you built one end table mm-hmm. and then you moved on to plumbing and then you moved on to be kind of uh, working with metals, yeah. you know, that's, that's not a real craftsman. You just dabbled right. for four months and then you moved on. Right. Right. I'm glad you brought up woodworking. Cause when we're sitting in this lounge, Taylor, the curator of this den, if you will, uh, is the 10th den, Pi's 10th den lounge, right. uh, him and his wife kind of built this. They like put up a wall and, and did the, the, um, the kind of the carpentry inside and stuff. What was cool is like he had, um, kind of a, an interest in carpentry, had interest in lots of things, but he kind of took the next step to dive a little deeper into it. And now he's kind of working on it. He's got a workbench. He's trying some other projects and stuff like that. And it's really neat to see the fruit of that kind of focused intentionality mm-hmm. rather than, oh, I watched a YouTube video about this. I watched this. I watched this. I watched this. I bought a bunch of stuff, you know, to get into this. And then I just let it sit there because I bought a bunch of stuff to get into the next hobby, mm-hmm. next hobby, next hobby and stuff like that. All right. Yeah. That's a good example of studiousness. If he if he stays with it and he goes deeper mm-hmm. and it becomes something that's kind of a life giving thing, to not only just like fix up his own house, but uh, to use his gifts and talents and, and appreciate some of these material things. And right. that's great. Yeah, and I just I share all of these ideas that come out of this man cave she shed reality because I think there's just an underlying reality um, in any of us who feel outcast. Um, again, like our podcast is saying, outcast from society or outcast from the church, right? Mm -hmm. However you feel outcast, um, whether you're in or out of the church, there is definitely this experience of isolation from others and especially isolation from God. Mm -hmm. Even if you're in the church, even if you're outside of the church, huge growth that I've experienced in my own spiritual life and growth in relationship with the Lord has been a move from isolation to solitude. Mm. Um, and I think that's concretized in this example of like all these different, um, places where people want to escape from reality, right? Because when you feel isolation and boredom and loneliness and disconnection from people, you want to escape to something better. Mm -hmm. Um, But I found that God's actually waiting to encounter you in solitude. Mm -hmm. And that experience of Pustinia or desert that monks and nuns and Christians for thousands of years have sought after, that's an experience of solitude. And actually like the original solitude that Adam experienced the very beginning of creation that John Paul II talks about, mm-hmm. that man's created 
and he's satisfied with God. Mm-hmm. He doesn't need to go out and find all this stuff and do all this stuff to be satisfied. He can be satisfied with God. And to actually return to that in those moments of loneliness, in those moments of feeling isolated, if that experience can actually be related to God in that moment, it can become a moment of solitude rather than a moment of sort of restless self-seeking mm-hmm. to try to escape from it. That doesn't fulfill. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I bet let's challenge our listeners, you know, think of a time where you were just endlessly scrolling through magazines, just flipping pages, flipping pages, scrolling through television stations, scrolling through social media sites or internet sites. Right. And you walk away 45 minutes later and you're just spent. Yeah. You know, yeah. This, you don't feel really good. Yeah. That was just time wasted. Oops. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so yeah, I, I can't improve on why you, the way you just uh, phrased it, that, that desire to just be, in solitude with God. That's not loneliness. Being in solitude is not necessarily alone, particularly when you're welcoming the divine presence. Right. And then the cool thing is those experiences then of, of doing things can actually become, as we've mentioned before, contemplative experiences Mm -hmm. because whatever that might be that you're kind of into, um, whether it is like reading a book or studying something or listening to music, watching film, doing some kind of craft, like you were talking about woodworking that can actually be a moment of contemplation and solitude with God mm-hmm. rather than sort of a moment of trying to escape from reality into something else. Mm-hmm. There's a relationship with God waiting for us uh, in every moment of, of loneliness. That's way better than any cool hobby we can think of to mm-hmm. escape to mm-hmm. or screen to look at and sit in front of. Absolutely. Well said. Yeah. Well, good thoughts. Thanks. And thank you to Taylor and Walter. That's right. For the prompting of this excellent yeah, again, discussion. No offense. Don't mean to make any, you know, triggers to anybody with a man cave or a she shed. I enjoy coming to a man cave sometime, in fact. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I think it's just good. Keep in mind. So good thanks thoughts. for uh, for listening. And, and shout out to our friends in Des Moines. Shout God out to everybody. Bless. Adios. Bye-bye. Thanks for tuning in. Send your questions and comments to outcastcatholic at gmail.com. Catch you next time, and God bless.